If you have a child with type 1 diabetes, whether they were diagnosed five days ago or five years ago, you continue to have questions. These are the questions about the emotional side of living with diabetes, the questions about how to parent diabetes. I'm Joanne Robb, a psychotherapist and fellow T1D mom, and I've been parenting diabetes for almost 15 years. In this podcast, I'm here to answer your questions about the emotional and relational challenges that come with being a caregiver for a child with type 1 diabetes. Before we dive in, I have to remind you that I'm not a doctor and nothing that I offer here should be considered medical advice. If you want to make any changes to the way you or your child is managing their type 1, please be sure to check in with your doctor or medical team. Let's get started. Hi and welcome. Hi. Hi there. Why don't you tell me what brings you here, what your dilemma is around your type 1 kids? Uh, thanks so much. Um... My daughter, uh, Jacqueline, is eight, and she was actually diagnosed just two weeks ago. Oh, wow. Yeah. And we're, um, you know, we're, we have summer camps, and she has this one camp that she's really been looking forward to attending with her very close friend from school, and they've been planning it for a while. And I'm really nervous to send her. Mm-hmm. I, mm-hmm. I don't want her to be away from me right now. I'm not going to know her numbers. I'm not going to know how she's doing. She doesn't have a CGM yet. Mm-hmm. She's getting one. It just hasn't arrived. Mm-hmm. Um, it's an art camp, so it's not super high activity. But I really don't want to disappoint her. But I really I don't want to send her either. I, I don't know what to do. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can hear this. So this is a dilemma, right? because this is such a new diagnosis. I'm amazed you're even here asking me a question. Good for you for finding your way here. And it's hard at the beginning. And you have that feeling that many of us have at the beginning of, I don't want to be away from her. I don't want, what you said is I don't want her to be away from me, right? Because we imagine kind of magically, a little bit magically, that we can know everything that's happening. We're going to be so attentive. We're going to prevent any disasters from happening because we're doing finger sticks, we're super attentive all the time. And it feels so much safer to have them with us than under anyone else's care, right? It's so normal. This is what causes parents to bring their kids into bed with them, keep them home from school, do all those things. So I do have one question for you, which is if your daughter was in school right now, it wasn't summer and it wasn't summer camp and it was school, how do you think you'd navigate that? Well, I mean... We've already started talking with the school and, um, you know, they have a nurse there. So there's, it feels like there's a point person. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm still nervous about it. Mm -hmm. She'll also have her CGM. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. I don't know. That still feels far away. I, it's hard to look at anything that's yeah. not right in front of me, I guess. Yeah, that's totally legitimate, right? It's, and, and you're making a good point, which I had already forgotten, which is that by the time school starts, she'll have her CGM. And that will make a difference because you'll feel like you can watch in a way that you can't watch when she doesn't have it. Yeah. Um, if you keep Jacqueline home from camp, what will she do? What will happen? Oh, God. Even just thinking about that actually gives me a feeling of dread, too. Um not much. I mean, we'll do some mommy camp mm-hmm. activities. It's hard because our mommy camp activities used to always involve a treat of some sort, and we're still figuring that out. Mm-hmm. Um, she'll probably watch too much TV. We'll take some walks together, maybe go to the merry-go-round. Mm-hmm. But it feels, I don't know, that feels stressful too. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, there's no way forward here. That's not stressful. I want to just validate that. Like it's real at the beginning, how much there is to learn. I call this first year, the drinking from the fire hose year, right? Cause there's a huge steep learning curve and you are really in it. What I want to suggest to you is that part of the learning curve is about letting go, which is such a strange thing to say when you're really new to this. And I, I, if you listen to my podcast, if you've come to any of my workshops, you'll hear me say over and over, I never recommend you unclipping your seatbelt. Like, I really think it's true. We need to take good care of our T1D kids and be attentive to their blood sugars and manage that as best we can. And we also need to be in the process of teaching them how to do it and letting them know that their life can be normal. So here's the good news for you. Okay, let me let me pause there actually and see. I t- saw you take a breath. So how does that land for you? I mean, I think in a way that's the hardest part is this feeling like there's a lot, a loss of normal, and we do want things to be normal, but normal seems very risky mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. now. Um, but I just imagining telling her she's not going to camp just breaks my heart. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think you're between a rock and a hard place um, because while. I believe in normal. And I think every T1D parent you meet will believe in normal. I also believe that at the beginning, it's a very hard balancing act um, between what's normal and you learning your way and having more tolerance for some of the swings that happen normally in blood sugar um, with a T1D kid, right? So you're, you're kind of in a tough spot. And I hear an important thing which is that if Jacqueline stays home with you, she's going to be with you. So it's not that you are going to work and need to park her at camp so you can go to work. That's not what I'm hearing anyway. Um, It's that she would get to have mommy camp with you. So I'm going to challenge you to say, what if you send her and you spend a lot of time sitting in the camp, right? And partnering with someone at the camp, just like you're partnering with someone at the school, to help you with some of it. So you can step away sometimes because Lord knows you probably do not want to spend five to six hours a day at art camp. But what if you plan to spend a chunk of time at art camp and figure out when you want to finger stick her and be around, right? And also, is there a point person, a wonderful person at art camp who would partner with you to do those finger sticks and you're nearby? So instead of going all the way home from art camp, let's say you just run errands from art camp that are close, like you're within a 10 minute radius and you've trained somebody how to help her with a finger stick. I don't know if she's doing that herself or not and how to administer low supplies because those are the two most important things, right? You don't want her to go low. If she's high, that's not fun, but you it's not urgent, right? You can get back and give her a shot. I imagine she's not on a pump yet either. So I'm going to pause and see how that lands, this idea of you adapting to the camp schedule so that you can be there for her and also getting some support from someone there to get some help so you're not there for whatever it is, six hours a day total time. Yeah, I like that idea of using camp as a home base to run errands or I could even bring my book probably. I think initially when you said something, I had a feeling of, oh, I don't want to be that parent that's hovering. Like, what if that embarrasses her? But if I'm not, if I'm just nearby, it's just the counselors are kind of young. So what does that mean? How old are they? Do you know? I'm not sure. I think they're mostly like, I think it's like college summer kids. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. 
So in my experience, what I've found actually is that um, that age kid is great because they love texting. They're never off their phones. Unlike real adults um, (laughs) who put their phones away when they're paying attention to children, these kids are very attached to their phones. So if you are partnering with one of them to now, can Jacqueline give herself, can she do her own finger stick? Not yet. Okay. So um, if you're partnering with somebody to either help her do a finger stick, right? So let, we can think about whether Jacqueline would be willing to do her own finger stick, right? Because mm-hmm. that might be um, something that would help, right? The hurdle for many care providers is the needles, right? And yeah. so if Jacqueline could do that herself and someone doesn't have to poke her, right? That would be helpful. Let's set that aside for a second though. But if you can talk to the camp director, because the director is not a college age kid. Correct. Right. And talk to the director about who would be a point person. Perhaps it's even the director, right? Yeah. And then you go in and do a quick training with the director and whoever are Jacqueline's counselors about what are symptoms of lows, right? What, what they need to do if they're worried she's low. And then you look with them at the calendar for the day, right? So she's not going to go to the camp low. You know that you're going to just fed her breakfast. She's probably going to be trending up. So you have till 1030, you do a finger stick, you get a sense, right? At lunchtime, they probably have a break. You show up, you give her insulin, you watch her as she eats her lunch. There's some running around time. So you, that's my guess, because like most camps there is at lunch. And then you do another check at one o'clock, even though lunch was at noon, because you want to head off any potential low from the running around. And then maybe again at two, and then you pick her up at three. I'm making this schedule up. I don't know. Right. But I wonder how it feels to you to have that and then have a point person who's telling you what each number is. Yeah, I think I think that side with the with the director and the point person, that does sound good. I keep going, how is she going to feel about this? Mm-hmm. It's going. No one else is going to be doing this. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, that's part of the dilemma of having diabetes, right? Is that this is, this is what's going to be her new normal, is that she is going to be one of the only people, if not the only person who's doing this finger stick dance, who's having this interruption. Um, how do you imagine that will be for her at school? Like, let's leave camp aside. Honestly, I don't think I've thought about it as much as I should about the, the impact on her at school. I think that's going to be really hard for her. Mm-hmm. I think being different, having to check in, you know, with the nurse at school is going to be, she likes to blend in. I don't know. She's, she's not a real, um, Mm -hmm. she doesn't like a lot of attention on her. Mm -hmm. She she doesn't even like it when people sing happy birthday to her, but I guess this is good practice in a place where she doesn't, where she knows her friend, but she doesn't know that I know of a lot of the other kids. Mm -hmm. So maybe it's good practice. Yeah. So this is hard. Sounds like she's a little shy. Yeah. She doesn't like to stand out. Right. So you're imagining what this is going to feel like for her. Um, And I guess I wonder about, um, you know, I don't know if this is the right approach or not, about not over worrying about that. Right. Making this the normal. Right. Like, Jacqueline, what we've done is we're going to talk to the director and to a counselor and we're going to make it really easy for you to go to camp. I'll be there a little bit to check your blood sugar. We're going to make it possible for you to go because I don't want you to have to not go to camp. 
right? So what you're communicating is this is the set of choices mm -hmm. um, and, and see what she says, right? Check in with her, not assume it's going to be too hard, but see what she says, because this is something she doesn't have a choice around. And I don't want you to give her a lead that allows her to follow the path of this is too hard for me to be different. I want you to give her the lead of we're making your life as normal as possible and, um, and see where she goes. It doesn't mean that if she says, this is hard, you know, I don't like it when, or whatever that is, that you wouldn't validate that it is hard to be different because it is hard to be different. Right. And, but I don't want you to hand it to her because if she's already inclined in that direction, she's much more likely to pick it up if you hand it to her. And she's not going to have many choices about having the support at school and for a while until she's more ready to manage these things on her own. How does that, how does that land for you? I really like the idea of framing it as setting up the choices in that, in that way. Mm -hmm. um, not looking at it as much from a a deficit of normal, but of this is how we are going to mm -hmm. make make things normal for you. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, no, I think that makes a lot of sense. The other thing, and this is this is stretching out a little bit far, uh, especially when you're saying, you know, you're so new to this, and you're saying, um, I don't, I can't even look a few, you know, I can't look as far ahead as school really all that easily. So the question is how to let her peers know. I can't, you have one week or two weeks, it's, it's not the same. But at school, she has a cohort of peers who she's probably been with for a few years and she's going to be with for a few more years. And so the question is, how do you let the class know? Because it will help her actually to feel like her classmates know what's going on for her. So what I used to do with my kids when they were little is I would do a so what grade is she going into? She's going into third grade. Uh -huh. So even in third grade, I would ask the teacher for 10 minutes, maybe 15 at a circle time in class. And I would read a book about diabetes. And I would explain that that's what my child had. And we would do something like show and tell with technology and also hand out things like glucose tablets. Like this mm -hmm. is her medicine. You all get to try some, whatever the low supply of choice is. Um, it sounds like that might be too much attention for your child. I don't know. Yeah. 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 She, yeah. Yep. So the question is um, like, I think another choice point for her is it's not optional for the teachers to know, right. But it is optional for students to know. It's important that some of your friends know. So who do you want to share this with? Right. Um, because the truth is that her peers are going to be over time as much support to her around this as the teachers are, right? Cause they're gonna know and they're gonna know what's happening for her and they're gonna be paying attention to her in a way that actually the teachers aren't because the teachers aren't on the playground with her in quite the same way, for example. Um, so it, that's another place where you can give her a choice about like, who does she tell or what does she feel comfortable sharing? One idea that I loved that a parent threw out to me once was to have um, a very shy child made a video of herself, like this is what is happening, like you and she can make a video to send out. So she's not having to present it in the class, but she gets to tell people and it gets distributed to the class because it's important to get the support and to for you to communicate to her that that's important helps her to learn how to not hide this. Again, I think the choices, those two choices actually would work well for her. I mean, 
the part that I think she won't like is people looking at her at the circle time. But if she's not the one talking, if it's me or the teacher reading a story and they're not looking at her, but anyway, just giving her the two options. Mm -hmm. Um, She's definitely a kid who has always done things on her own time. Um, Mm -hmm. So I, I think those are two really solid Mm -hmm. different options. Mm -hmm. Yeah. We're going to take a quick break and be back with more answers. One of the hardest things about diabetes is the food. Your kid has to eat, but there's so many foods that send them high or are tricky to dose for. And at the same time, you don't want to restrict their food choices. You want them to be able to feel like every other kid. To help you navigate the many challenges of food and eating with type 1, I've created the Sweet Talk Snack Course a free mini course that gives you six bite-sized lessons to support your T1D kid in having a healthy relationship with food and eating. Sign up for it at diabetessweettalk.com. So let's back up though to camp because that's what you came in with. And I'm wondering what you're thinking and how you're feeling about the idea of sending her. Well, I feel actually a little bit, I don't know why I didn't, make the connection, but working with the director to find the right counselors or point people who can be there for her, um, especially if I'm close by, that actually, that feels doable. And I know I am going to have to teach her to do her own finger pricks. We're just not there yet. So being close by makes, Mm -hmm. is what needs to happen. Mm -hmm. And maybe you do the finger sticks. Yeah. Right. Maybe that's just what has to happen. And that is really burdensome. Let's just name that if you're doing that many finger sticks in a day, you're not going to get very far from that camp. And that will change when she has a CGM, right? Right. But allowing her the freedom, as long as you feel safe enough, right, could be really helpful and important at both creating some normal and giving you a sense that it's possible, right? And that there are more people in the world who can help you. I think when our kids first are diagnosed, we feel like we have to do it. Nobody else wants this burden. But the truth is, we need people to help us. Our children can't be out in the world unless we have help and support from the people in our community. Yeah, that's a really good point. I have one more tip, which is um, I always gave a gift to whoever was managing my kids for that week of camp. And in hindsight, I wish I'd given it on the front end instead of at the end of camp. And it does not have to be a big expensive gift. It can be a $10 gift card at Starbucks. It could even just be a note that says, I appreciate that you're spending the extra time to do this. It's very meaningful to me. Thank you. Right. Because you want to really see that there is some extra work and that and share the appreciation rather than just feeling bad that someone's doing this for you. I think it really helps to support that relationship of, for that week or that short period of time. Yeah. That's a great idea. And I like the idea of doing it on the front end. I'm a big believer in thank you notes, but um, I think that makes a lot of sense to do it up front. Yeah, I I do too. And I was always, I'm sorry in hindsight that I didn't do that because I didn't, it took me a while to figure that out, but I think it's a good way to show that you appreciate the coming effort. Thank Thank you. you. This is really helpful. I very much appreciate it. Thanks so much for coming on the show and good luck. You can always email me and let me know how it goes. Take good care. Great. Thank you.
Thanks again for listening today. If you want answers to your questions about parenting a kid with type 1, I'd like to invite you to join our live recording sessions so you can ask your questions in person. Not only will you get the support you need and deserve, but through the podcast, you'll be helping other T1D parents to know that they're not alone with the challenges they're facing. To join one of my live recording sessions, simply go to www.diabetessweettalk.com and click the banner at the top of the page to register. Again, go to www.diabetessweettalk.com and click the banner at the top of the page to register.